Well, hey there, church family. We're so glad you're joining us this morning, and we are so excited that we can still worship together right there in your home. Before we get into the message today, I just wanted to quickly remind you of two ways that you can stay connected and involved here at Legacy. One of those ways is social media. So if you haven't found our Facebook or Instagram page yet, find that page, like it, and follow it. And the second way is our website, LegacyFamily.info. When you visit that website, you can see that Legacy at Home card. It's going to have all of the resources that you need to stay connected during this time. You can find resources for apps, books, different things that you can do with your kids, with their lessons. You can see all of our sermon material. You can see all the ways that you can still give and stay connected here at Legacy. So be sure to find those resources at LegacyFamily.info and follow us on social media. Now, without further ado, let's move on to Pastor Brett's message today. We love you, church family. And again, we're so glad you're joining us. Good morning, Legacy Church. We're excited you're joining us online today. We're excited that you're here to receive the Word of God by the Spirit of God. And uh, we're excited to bring it to you. If you're watching on video, you can scroll down underneath the video and there will be the notes for the sermon today. So scroll down and look back and forth. Uh, I'll try to give you some time to write them down, get a pen and a piece of paper. Uh, and let's go through these notes together. Let's go through the Word of God to get to today together. We're going to talk about uh, faith for the promises. God has given you faith and God has given you promises. There are promises to be a partaker of. There are prom promises to be received. And God has given you faith for them. So faith for the promises. You know, I've had some coaches in my life, some good coaches. I've been a coach. I'm a pastor now. And you know what? A good coach, a good pastor, a good leader will push will push you to be better than you are, will push you. God wants you to be better than you are. God wants you to step up in the things that he's given you to walk in. God has given us some things to live by, and God wants you to walk in them. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to do a little pushing, and I, I believe the Spirit of God's your teacher, and he's going to guide you and push you into the greater things of God. Uh, as we dig into the Word, uh, before we do that, uh, when you think about the promises of God, and if you've been to church like I have a good while, you remember a hymn about the promises of God. Do you remember that hymn? Standing on the Promises. It was written in 1886 by a uh, military college professor named uh, Russell Kelso Carter. Man had some revelation. You know, how many of you have sang it and sang it, but you don't get what it means? Well, this sermon is about standing on the promises, receiving the promises. I want you to hear it. Uh, standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. The second verse goes, standing on the promises that cannot fail. How many know the Word of God cannot fail? I may miss it, I may fail, but the Word of God does not fail. And it says, when the howling storms, or how about when the howling coronavirus <laughs> comes, of doubt and fear assail, by, living, by the living Word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Verse 3, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally, by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the spirit sword, which is the word of God, standing on the promises of God. Verse four, standing on the promises I cannot fail, listening every moment. Remember, Christ uh, 
that cannot, the word cannot fail, but when the word's in you, standing on the promises, I cannot fail. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Boy, that's good. That is rich. And you need to stand and learn to walk in the promises, stand on them, live in them, talk them, walk them every day. I think that's what's lacking in most of the church. I think we need to wake up to the Word of God, wake up to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God's your teacher, your guide, your helper. You need to wake up and you need to take the Word and let the Spirit of God show you how to use it. He'll show you how to wield that sword. And so let's dig in. We've got five points, and I'm going to give you uh, two scriptures at least to every point. And uh, because two, let everything be established by two or more, but there's more than the two. I just don't have time to give you a book. Number one, we've received from God. We receive from God through his promises. We receive from God through his promises. Second Peter 1, 1 through 4. We're going to read it all and then we'll break it down. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, verse 2 says, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as His divine power, His divine power has given to us all I mean, it's all, that's everybody, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may or might, you might be a partaker of the divine nature. It's not automatic. There's something that you have to do. You might be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. Isn't that good? So how can you be a partaker of the promises uh, of God? Well, how about this? First, you need to know them. First, you need to be a, a study. You need to have a, a, a study time. You need to study the Word. You need to know what the, the promises of, are, are. Can you name one? Can, can, can you... Uh, quote one, can you give me a promise for salvation for your children? Can you give me a promise of salvation for uh, your co-workers? Can you give me a promise for healing? Can you give me a promise for peace? Can you give me a promise for joy? I told you I was going to push you. And how do you do that? Well, I, I, can't, I can't do all that. Just pick one at a time. One at a time. You know what? We pursue the things that are precious to us. If the promises are precious, then you'll be a pursuer of them. You know how to work on a car because you watched and you learned and you pursued. You know how to shoot a basketball because you watch, you learn, you pursue. It was a desire. I'm praying that God will put a desire for His promises in your heart today that you'll be a pursuer of God and you'll pursue His promises for your life because the promises tell us what God would say, what God would do, how God would act, how He thinks. And so we want to be a doer of the Word. Let me say this too. We don't earn the promises of God. We pursue them and we partake of them. There's a difference. You're not good enough to walk in this. Jesus paid the price, gave you the promises. You have to be a partaker of it. Well, how do I do that? You know, when I was a, a baby, my mama uh, brought me home from the hospital. And if you ever saw a picture of me, I had rolls like the Michelin man. And uh, reason being is she fed me. She fed me. 
I was a baby. I couldn't feed myself. She fed me. But as time went by, I became a self-feeder. I learned how to feed myself. And uh, now if I went to her house and she put out a spread on the dining table, she's not going to feed me. I need to feed myself. And she would be mad if I didn't partake of it. Huh? She wouldn't kick me out. Not, I wouldn't be her son anymore. But she was going, I fixed this for you. I've prepared a table before you. Will you not partake? God's prepared a table. He said that in Psalms 23. I prepare a table for you in the midst of the coronavirus. Your enemy. Will you be a partaker? Will you sit with me? Will you learn from me? Will you feed from me? So let's go. Let's go then. You ready? Number two. Every believer has faith. I don't care whether you feel like it or not. I don't care if you smell like it. I don't care if you look like it. You've been given faith. And so let's talk about it. We receive by faith. So that's a key. Maybe you, <clears throat> excuse me, you haven't developed your faith. Maybe you're not uh, using your faith, but you've been given faith. In, in 2 Peter 1, 1, I'm going to skip to where it says, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you have received like precious faith, believer, Christians. If you're not saved, then you need, when you become born again, God imparts faith to you. He imparted faith to you to receive salvation because you heard. And we'll, we'll dig into that in just a second. In Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Why is it our reasonable service? Because Jesus paid for it all. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, or what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember Wednesday. Go back and listen to Wednesday. You, you, there are strongholds, and they go right here. And you've got to kick those walls down. You've got to tear those things down, because see, what you hear, what you see, what people say, uh, they become thoughts. Thoughts become imaginations, and imaginations become strongholds, and they affect your life. You know that your emotions, uh, if you let your emotions control you, you'll you never get anywhere in life. But, but God gave you emotions uh, because He's a God of emotions, but He's not moved by them. Go back and listen to that sermon. You know, without emotions, you wouldn't be able to order off a menu. Because you look at that menu, ooh, those thoughts come, and imagination, that... I bet that tastes good. Mm, see how it works? Well, you need to look at the Word of God and let your imagination run wild with the Word of God. Not that, well, that's not for me. I've never seen that. I've never had that. It must not be for me. That's not true. By faith, as you grab a hold of the Word of God and you can live righteous and holy and pure and you can receive things from God. Let, let's keep going. In verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, and that also goes for preachers to not think of themselves more highly than the, the congregation. But it also goes for the congregation not think of themselves less than the pastor. Because everybody's on equal terms when it's about receiving from God. Uh, I just am proclaiming the message. I have to walk this myself. And so God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. That, that's Romans 12, 3. You have faith. So if you think about it, I have as much faith as anybody else. And you can think about people that have been in your life that you thought had great faith, great faith, great faith. Well, how did they get great faith? They developed it. 
You know, people can bench press 150, 200, 250, can have a 350. How about a 400? People can bench press 400 pounds. This boy can't because I haven't developed my muscles. I have the same muscles as those weightlifters, but I have not pursued that. I have not developed uh, weightlifting. It's not hadn't been in my, not since high school anyway. And so I'm not a weightlifter, but I still have the same amount of muscles as they do. You have the same amount of faith as anybody else on the planet. That's, and so you need to develop your faith. You need to develop your faith in the Word of God. And so how do we develop our faith? I'm glad you asked because that's point three. The knowledge of God increases faith. The more you know about God, the more you know about the promises, the more you know what Jesus has done for you, your faith increases. I'll show you again in the Word. In 2 Peter 1, 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you, in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace and peace come from the knowledge of God. As His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now that, that's, a, that's a promise. That's a promise. His divine power has given us. Salvation has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Knowledge of Jesus gives you these things who called us by glory and virtue. Well, let me, maybe, maybe you can't understand that, or maybe let's, let's look at Romans 10, 17. This is pretty simple. So then faith comes, or faith is developed, or faith gets bigger by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. If you go to church enough, you've heard this message before, or maybe you've heard this message or that message. Don't you sit there and say, well, I've heard that before. I'm just zone out and figure out what I'm going to eat for lunch. You know, uh, it's been stated a statistic that Americans eat hamburgers three times a week. You'd think they'd get tired of it. Well, you shouldn't be getting tired of the Word of God either. You need to be a pursuer because the Word of God is full of layers that'll take you deeper, that'll take you further, that'll develop you even more. Uh, there are gifts and abilities God wants to stir in you. There are things that God wants you to walk in so you'll be a light to others. Matter of fact, you can be the light that shines in the darkness to lead people out of the destruction they're in. Especially if God has delivered you from something like drugs and alcohol, you are a beacon for people who are in it. Hey, that's the way God works. It's called a testimony. You tell testimonies of, of your deliverance and what God has done for you so they can do it or it can be done again. That's the way God works. We're a living example. We are living stones of the example of what God has done. We're His people. And so we should let our light shine. It's what we said last Sunday. So Romans 10, 14 says, Then how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you telling people what Jesus has done for you? I know it says, and they, how shall they hear without a preacher? I'm not just the only preacher. Every person that's listening to me is a preacher, a proclaimer of the gospel. And the best way to proclaim it is to live it. Are you living it? Are you kind? Are you loving? Huh? Are you walking it? Are you walking as Jesus walked? Are you walking in the love of God? God is love. So let's, let's push and let's pursue the knowledge of God and our faith increases. Walking with Him. Talking to Him. When is the last time you just, you know, you don't have to get on your knees to pray. You can just sit down and talk to Jesus and talk to the Father and ask them and ask the Holy Spirit. Have you asked the Holy Spirit to just come and be your guide, to come and be your teacher? When's the last time you took Psalms 23 
and said, Lord, you're my shepherd. Lord, I shall not want. Now, you know, when David wrote that, I'm sure he had some wants just like you do. But faith says, I shall not want because you're my shepherd and you're going to guide me and lead me to the still waters. You're going to lead me to the green pastures. I'm still got to be the one to drink the still waters. I still have to be the one to eat the green pastures, huh? If we're the sheep called by his name, we still have to partake where he takes us. There's an old saying, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. How many Christians aren't drinking from the, from the glass or the goodness of God or the grace of God or the power of God, the love of God? And so, you know, in all this, there have been some wild teachings about this where you can just say anything you want to get. You, and you know what? You can't do that. You have to take what God said and apply it to your life. But guess what? The Holy Spirit will lead you where he wants to take you to where the blessing is. What do you plant? You know, and, 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 and past, God bless them what they planted. How about letting God lead you what to plant? How about letting God lead you where to work? How about letting God lead you where to go to church? How about letting God lead you who to marry? Don't marry the first... No, I ain't going to say it. Don't marry the first person that comes along. How about being led? Don't be so lonely that you put people ahead of God. God still... The one who guides and leads, even when it comes to relationships, to jobs, to raising your kids, to having kids, and how many? Let God lead you. So let's go to number four. Every promise is a yes for you. Man, oh man. A lot of people struggle with, with God wanting to do something for them because they don't believe God loves them. But God is love. And God so loved the world that he sent Jesus just for you. God loves you. Matter of fact, the, the two greatest commandments Jesus said is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And then he said to love your neighbor as yourself. Most people that believe that the promises aren't yes for them, they don't love themselves either. God loves you and God wants you to love yourself and God wants you to love your neighbor. You need to love your neighbor. You need to love God first. You need to love yourself and you need to love your neighbor. And you need to let the love of God shine. But you notice why it said neighbor second? It's because you need to put them first. You need to put the love of God and you need to sacrifice yourself for the, oh man, now you're talking, now you're on my toes, Pastor. No, you, we're, we're to live a life of love and love gives. You know, I, I want my kids to eat before me. I want my grandkids to eat before me. I, I, want, I want this church to be a partaker before me even. But I have to be a partaker to be able to feed uh, the church. And so let's look at what it says there. Yes, 2 Peter 1, 4. And it said, by, by, which we, uh, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. Huh, I want to be a partaker. I don't know about you. I, and I want to escape the corruption that's in this world. You see, salvation has come, but you know what? We're in this world, but not of it. That means that we got to walk different. We got to think different. We got to trust God. We got to trust God and not man. We got to trust God and not government. We got to trust God. And that's what he's saying here. Second Corinthians 1, 9 said, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. In him, yes, in him, amen, to the glory of God uh, through us. 
Verse 21, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So, so here's the guarantee. Uh, the, the, the Salvation is yes and amen for you. Let's just talk with that first promise. Salvation. Yes and amen. Are you saved? Then say, yes, I'm saved. I'm saved. You need to tell yourself, glory to God, I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm saved because I believe the word. I've confessed with my heart. I believe in my heart and I place it in my spirit that I'm a child of God. And so, so, so that's what your confession. Why is that? In verse 22, why did he say that we're, we were sealed? God has sealed us. You know, you're supposed to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the spirit in our hearts is a guarantee. Let me just make it. Let me explain it. There's a difference between heart knowledge and head knowledge. If you're walking around with just head knowledge and you don't know that you know that you're a child of God and you just have head knowledge, you need to get some heart knowledge. You need to go and study and, and let the Holy Spirit ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. You know, I had a neighbor lady that said, I want to know for sure. I want to know for sure that I'm a child of God. I said, well, we're going to go. I said, get your Bible and, and let's sit down here and let's read Romans 10, 9 and 10. And so as we began to read those scriptures, which says if you believe in your heart that in Jesus is the Son of God, you believe and you confess it with your mouth. And so when we read those scriptures, I said, now I'm going to pray for you and I believe, God, you're going to feel it. She goes, I already do. Because the Word of God is quick and alive. It's, a power, it's powerful and it's sent to us. So the difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Here's an easy way to explain it. Do you know who George Washington is? Well, he's the first president of the United States. He led the, uh, the armies uh, to independence for America. Uh, he chopped down the cherry tree. Uh, somebody said he had wooden teeth. Uh, oh, my, oh, my. Well, I know all that up here. But guess what? I know Jesus is the Son of God. I know all that up here. But it transforms down into my spirit. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Your spirit must be recreated. And the Holy Spirit is the one who recreates your spirit. When you accept Jesus, He baptizes you into the body of Christ. And so you need the Holy Spirit. You can't do this without Him. He's your helper. He's your guide. Ask Him to guide you right now. Let's finish this up. Well, let's say, Holy Spirit, come help us finish this up. Help us to be solid in you, to know you, and to walk in everything you have for us. In Jesus' name. Number five, use your faith to mature. Let's start there. Let's start there. Let's use our faith to mature. Everyone, even ministers, should never stop maturing. Even your favorite preacher should never stop maturing. Don't wait until you're attacked to get into the Word. Gain knowledge by studying every day, putting the Word of God in you when you don't need it, so it'll be there when you do. That's playing offense. If you're always reacting Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. If you're always reacting, you're, you're in trouble already. You need to be putting the word in you. If you're, if you need to be digging in. You need to put in the word. You need to put a promise in you every day. If it takes you three days, then stay with the same promise until you can confess it, till you know it, till you believe that it's for you. 
It's yes and amen for you. Stay with that promise. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, you need to get solid up that nobody can steal your salvation. That the corruption that's in this world can't come take your salvation away. Because we're going to read the scripture here where the corruption's after you. But you need to maintain and you need to, get, you need to play offense. A, a good defense cannot beat a good offense. But if you're not playing any offense and you're always on defense, the devil's playing offense and he's kicking your tail. Pardon me, but he's after you and he's after you. See, God and Jesus aren't fighting the devil anymore. We are. We're the ones on the earth. We're the ones that call heaven down to earth to change the earth. And we've kind of missed it, church, hadn't we? We need to be calling heaven to earth and we need to get on our knees and we need to get out on our, our prayer time and get after it. Let me read you this last scripture. <clears throat> so Peter and 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4 is what we uh, laid this everything down on. But if you go ahead and finish reading 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10, listen to what he says. But also this very reason, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Give diligence to it. Come on, pursue it. Pursue it, pursue it. Add to your faith. I already told you you have faith. So let's add to our faith virtue, which is goodness. To goodness, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. Come on, where's your self-control? Fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. Patience. Perseverance. Patience. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness or mercy. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. My goodness, those are things to pursue, to mature up. When the Bible says be perfect, it says be mature. And so we're always taking to the next level of our maturity, our next level. Because, see, God wants to use you to a greater measure, and he wants you to mature up. And these are the things that mature you. Now listen to this. Listen. As in verse 9 says, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. You need to remind yourself you're a child of God. You need to remind yourself you're forgiven. You need to you not be short-sighted or blindness. In verse 10 it says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call, to know that God has saved you. And... Your call and election, sure. Know that God has claimed you. Come on, He's claimed you for His own. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Oh, what does that mean? That means people who stumble have, are not doing these things and they have forgotten who they are. We need to know who we are. And by faith, we need to receive who we are in Christ Jesus. We need to know that God for sure has claimed us and we need to do these things so we don't stumble. You ever seen somebody stumble? I've seen preachers stumble. Famous preachers, not so famous preachers. I've seen people that I respected and loved stumble. I've seen uh, fellow church growers stumble. Uh, we need to maintain this walk because guess what? People, you're a light to certain people. Only you can reach people. I can't reach everybody, but you can reach people. And you're a light to them. You need to maintain the course. God hadn't called you to stumble. He's called you to maintain and, and until the end. And Jesus is coming. So we need to get ready. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word today. We thank you, Father, that, that we take this word to heart to be a pursuer, to be a partaker of your divine nature, uh, to partake of the promises, to learn to stand on them, to learn to walk in them, 
to, to learn to be who we are called to be in you. We thank you, Father, that, that we cast out fear and we replace it with faith. We trust you, Lord. We totally trust you. And Father, where we don't trust you, let us dig up, just dig into your word and let's protect the word where our, our trust is lacking so we can grow in faith and in trust in you. And we give you the glory for it. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to help us. We ask you to guide us and lead us into these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. I hope you received something today. Go back and listen to it again and again. Take the notes. Take it to heart. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.